Hello everybody, this is Jim Lucy, Editor-in-Chief for Electrical Wholesaling and Electrical Marketing with another episode of the EW Executive Insights. There's increasing interest in the electrical market from electrical contractors, electrical distributors, and reps in the business opportunities offered by electric vehicles and charging systems that power them. But that's not the only part of the transportation field being changed by electrical power and propulsion. Today we're going to be talking with Ed Twert, ABB Vice President of Sales for Marine Systems, about the use of electric power in the maritime industry as a propulsion system for ferries and other vessels. Ed, your background is uniquely suited to your role as VP of Sales for Maritime Systems. Could you give our listeners an overview of your educational and professional experience in the marine industry? Sure. Thanks, Jim. So, yeah, so I went to uh, the Merchant Marine Academy in Kings Point, New York, uh, graduated with a, a marine engineering degree, uh, where I went out to sea on ships. Yep. And what's funny to me, I, I've been lately um, thinking a lot about, is I first started sailing on steamships um, in the uh, late, two, in late 90s, early 2000s, uh, not because I was seeking out steamships exclusively, but that was what the U.S. fleet was made of, was a lot of container ships and, and tankers that were operating on steam and boilers. Um, and now I see, I spend most of my time talking about electrification, I talk about uh, energy storage, battery chemistry, hydrogen, all these different types of technologies. Um, so we're seeing this kind of really huge transition in engineering within the marine industry. So it's it's been a, it's been a great experience kind of seeing this transition firsthand and uh, kind of being a part of it now. No, very cool. Yeah. I'd like to give our listeners a sense of where the maritime industry is right now with electrically powered uh, vessels, either uh, in total or maybe in hybrid, uh, in the role that ABB serves in meeting the demand for them. Are there certain types of vessels where battery power propulsion works per- particularly well? Excellent. Yeah. So, yes. Um, so, elect- electric propulsion for vessels is nothing new. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. They've been around. We've, we've supplied, ABB has supplied electric propulsion over 120 years ago on vessels. Um, so, it's certainly not a new concept. Concept, but what we're seeing is more and more markets opening to it. Mm-hmm. So the, the cruise industry, for example, always um, saw the benefits of electric propulsion because of the balance between the high hotel load mm-hmm. and the high propulsion load. Mm-hmm. So they saw that having uh, electric uh, propulsion through generators allowed them um, more flexibility and diversity within being able to supply this power to these different sources when they need it. Um, and then if you look at the oil and gas industry, they always saw the benefits of having electric propulsion again for redundancy for safety yep. on mm-hmm. drill ships and things mm-hmm. like that so mm-hmm. so it's certainly nothing new but now what we're seeing is almost every segment of the industry mm-hmm. is investigating it to mm-hmm. see if there's benefit to help them mm-hmm. in this effort to decarbonize in this mm-hmm. effort to introduce new mm-hmm. power sources whether they be batteries mm-hmm. or fuel cells or mm-hmm. generators of alternative fuel types um, so that's what we see is different and what's unique is the short distance shipping market um, is where we're seeing kind of the, the best match right now for a lot of these applications. So the ferry market in particular um, is really benefiting from the electrification. So you're looking at ferries kind of transitioning from these very independent uh, diesel mechanical vessels to being tethered to a port and receiving electricity through a charging cable of some type while the passengers get on and off and then run on batteries through its transit. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's really where we're seeing a lot of it. ABB, we're we're lucky to have supported the uh, integration of 70 vessels with batteries so far. Um, so it's pretty significant in the market. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're looking at that, yeah, number going up every year as we see more and more electrification. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned about the redundancy. Do you find, is it uh, certain applications or certain type of halls where they do look for both hybrid and all, uh, all electric? Or? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, so there's two things. Yeah, there's the redundancy yeah. effort, which is um, usually in these very either um, high-risk applications 
navigation. Mm -hmm. So if you're talking about vessels that may go to the Arctic or vessels that um, are holding on position over top of an oil rig or something like that or drill mm -hmm. site. Um, so these, these areas where they are required to have very high redundancy within their system so we don't have a single point failure um, that could have a catastrophic effect. So you had those types of applications, but now we're seeing the pushes more for the decarbonization side. So we're seeing owners saying, hey, I'm really driven by these new emission standards. I'm really driven by this effort to reduce my, my emissions. Um, I can do that through electrification and then I gain the, the, um, the redundancy as just a, a added benefit for this investment. Because there has to be always when, when we look at this green technology, there has to be benefit beyond just the, the green side of things. Um, if we look at that uh, at the automobile side or whatever, you're looking at that they, they want to bring additional benefits, whether it be a better on the vessel, whether it be a better ride um, with less vibration, uh, better you know, customer experience, whether it be the redundancy, whether it be lower operating costs. Um, this is really why we're seeing the commercial market accept um, these efforts, you know, in addition to the, the emissions reduction. ABP is certainly no stranger to uh, demanding industrial environments of environments of all types, but I would think the maritime industry gives some particularly demanding and nasty environments that you have to design too. Can Correct. you maybe speak to that or what people yes. could expect in there? Yeah, so the maritime industry is, is, is yeah, it, it's always had its kind of own standards. Um, it's, it's regulated by a lot of class um, agencies, so ABS in the U.S. and DMV, maybe a little more popular in Europe. Um, but then we also have applications now happening in the United States where there is no class guidance, and what we have to do is work with the Coast Guard. So the United States Coast Guard, um, they have to certify every vessel, um, and they have their own rules and regulations. The issue and the problem being is these rules and regulations usually aren't incorporating this new technology yet. So we have to work very closely with the Coast Guard um, to explain the new technology, how it's being applied, and ensuring that we still meet those same standards um, that are set forth in the regulations, even if this technology is new. Um, so really kind of the Coast Guard then becomes the, the arbiter of acceptance uh, with regard to safety and ensuring that um, everything is being looked at properly and that both safety of the passengers, if it's a passenger vessel, and then also the crew is uh, is of most importance. I know when you were speaking a little bit earlier, you were talking about some of the interesting applications that you've already been able to bring the technology to. Could you share some of the things that you mentioned yeah. that made of this? You mentioned San Diego. I know there's some other uh, projects that you work on. I know our listeners would love to hear about. Sure. So Made in Miss is a, is a personal uh, accomplishment of myself. I take a lot of pride in, in having been able to support that project. They're entering the third year of operation now on, on all batteries. So they operate two two passenger vessels up in Niagara Falls. Um, so it's a very demanding environment. Like we talked about earlier, you're at the base of the falls. Um, and they, they have a very demanding um, environment of, of the, I think it's the, right now, post-COVID, I think they're looking at maybe like one and a half million people transit through the through the falls on the on the vessels to to experience it so there's you know a high a high traffic uh you know and and they're really kind of setting those and making those memories for families and things like that so so that's a, an application where it's it's an all-electric system so it's all batteries no no engines involved at all we charge every time the vessel hits the dock uh when the passengers come on and off we charge and then we charge up overnight um when the when the docks when they're at rest at, at the dock at night um great application for batteries uh great customer great service 
service that they provide the public, um, and really just it's, uh, it's, it's a great testimony to what we can do in the U.S. with the technology. The other one is, is a project with Crowley Marine, a big U.S. Uh, maritime operator. Um, they operate a lot of tugboats, and they're working to put a all-battery tugboat into San Diego this year. So the boat's under construction. It's designed to have 6.2, I believe it currently it's 6.2 megawatt hours of batteries. So very large battery installation, a very small uh, footprint of a tugboat. Uh, the goal is to have the vessel operate um, half the day on batteries, then charge, and then go operate the second half of the day um, on batteries. So a tugboat's a very interesting application where you have this huge amount of installed power that may or may not be used depending on, on the requirements of the vessel that they're docking or undocking. So they provide this service of, of bringing big ships into the ports. Mm -hmm. The big ships are not able to, to steer very well, especially at slow speeds and in these congested port areas. Um, so they need the assistance of these very strong, small tugboats that do pushing and pulling on them to, uh, to hold these big vessels where they need to be. Um, so it's a great application where you have a lot of energy storage and you have a lot of power that you may need. Um, it's there when you need it, but if not, um, you're not utilizing it. Um, so then you don't have that emissions waste as if you had big diesel generators or big diesel engines running um, at idle consistently in your port areas, especially in these port and downtown areas where they're really looking at trying to reduce their footprint and help the quality of the lives of people who live uh, within close proximity of ports. Um, so it's a great, great application. It's going to be the largest uh, installed power on a tugboat uh, in the world so for, for batteries. Um, so I think it's going to be a great testimony to what we can do in the U.S. and the rest of the world will be looking at this. Additionally, it's also going to have our full autonomous package. Um, so being able to uh, you know help the captain and the mates uh, be able to pilot the boat, boat safely is also something we're looking at trying to gain again with the digitalization and moving to electric propulsion. It makes it easier to add these uh, digital automated systems uh, of, of uh, guidance and, and steering and things like that. Um, another project I can, I can share is we're in Portland, Oregon today, but in Portland, Maine, uh, the other Portland, we're delivering next year hopefully a, a ferry to operate for Casco Bay Lines. And the beautiful Casco Bay Lines right in downtown Portland um, is going to be operating uh, a, a ferry that goes out to Peaks Island that will be uh, all battery operation and zero mission is the intended operation too. So that's uh, another opportunity where yeah we can help to you know do something for the uh, for the local people to have a better experience as they they take these boat rides and on also in these downtown areas to have nice clean air, but then also for the total emissions of the of the maritime industry. Can be I reduced. know that's a popular one up at I'm familiar with the Portland at Peaks Island one. Must yeah. a very popular one. You know where, where you're at right now with the uh, the actual onshore the charging system that you're designing for the, these ferries and mm -hmm. tugs. Um, is it a, is it a, to the point where there's a standardized charging or is it customized per each application? Where do you yeah. see that going? How much? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question and, yeah. and it is a, an issue for I, I mean we're seeing the arguments within the automotive industry yep. when it comes to <laughs> charging ports and sizes and locations and, and we see something similar in the marine side. The um, right now we're seeing most of the charging so there's, there's a few different types of charging. So there's charging that's dedicated for a certain vessel. So if we go back to that Peaks Island, um, they will be the only one utilizing that charging system. So it, it's very unique to them. Um, when we talk about furry charging, it's usually very quick connections with high voltage. So we're looking at automated short charging devices. So they're very kind of custom for that application. If we're looking at the cold ironing kind of charging or shore side, um, and we're looking at say like cruise ships or container ships that, that hit many different ports, and when they come into ports, they want to be able 
able to plug in and shut down their generators and stuff. That's where we're seeing, yeah, the need for this the standardization. Um, we're seeing that in the industry because these these shipping companies that go from port to port are kind of demanding it. Um, the ports are very supportive. Um, they want to see more and more vessels plug in. They want to provide those services um, to their to the vessels coming to their ports. So I think we're going to see more and more of that. Right now, Miami has a big push to to plug in every every cruise ship that comes into Miami is going to be plugged in, which is the highest power demand. I think you're, you're plugging in a city, basically the, the power of a city every time a cruise ship comes in, and there may be four or five cruise ships at one time plugged in to uh, downtown Miami. So if they can solve the problem, um, I think a lot of that will that'll work out for a lot of other ports too. That's amazing when you think of the, the demand right there. How about, um, you know, it, I guess generally, you know, have you, have you seen with ports, do you see contractors specializing in that type of work? Or where, where do you see them fitting in going forward? Is that something that's going to require some additional type of training? And I'm also looking on, I guess, the other part of my question too, uh, the distributors. I mean, some yeah. of the, I guess some of the supporting equipment is probably pretty standard, but then you get to the systems. How, how do you see playing with the electrical professionals on the, right. in, in the, the, these local ports? Great question, because this, I think this is really kind of the linchpin of the decarbonization for, for a lot of the market in the marine industry yeah. is the acceptance and adoptance of electri- electrification of the ports mm-hmm. and getting the power to the to the vessels. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's u- new to the maritime industry. So the maritime industry is um, used to very mechanical systems. It's a very mechanically driven industry. Um, this whole electric electrification is very new to them, both on the vessel and shoreside. And more importantly, shoreside mm-hmm. um, is very unique to them because they, they typically valued vessels that were the most independent. So, you know, if you make your own water and you have your own sewage system you make your own electricity on board you you know like if you could be as independent as possible and you didn't depend on on port infrastructure that was the most valuable vessel you could design now we're seeing it being reversed you have to become super dependent on your partner who's going to be supplying the power um, at the dock and so this is very very new to the industry and the industry is um, working on it but struggling a bit I would say because the contacts within the industry are very much on the mechanical side we need to help to introduce new vendors, new suppliers, um, to the port side, to the vessel side, um, to create new partnerships with companies that bring electrification, that bring products, that bring education to the maritime industry um, is very, very important right now as we kind of solve this problem and then later to uh, you know build out the infrastructure and then maintain it in the future. We talked a little bit earlier in the panel discussion about the uh, some of the federal funds that are now invo- available to port and you say it might be spreading into the, uh, the exactly the type of application we're talking about. You could just speak to that a bit for our yep. listeners. So, I'm, I'm very excited that this is the largest investment ever in the maritime industry. Is happening right now through some of the bills. And a lot of the um, funding is specifically um, designated for electrification. So that's really, really important too. So we're not just seeing funding for typical funding in the past used to be for repowering or maybe keeping assets uh, in operation, which sometimes works against development of new technology or development of, of real capex um, development because you're just kind of patching and, and maintaining older assets. Uh, but now we see this really big infrastructure bill that is trying to push towards capex funding. So we're seeing um, billions of dollars being invested in port electrification, hundreds of millions of dollars in vessel electrification uh, right now. So it's And we're seeing that the industry is really pulling to it because uh, what we're seeing is more interest than funding even. 
um, which is, should be, but uh, typically isn't always, which is surprising, <laughs> that there's sometimes more funding than interest. But it shows that, that the, the funding is in the right direction. That if there's enough owners or more owners interested in the funding than the funding available, and there's billions of dollars available, um, that means that it's probably going to be funded in the future, too. So that's also going to be important, is continuing this funding that has been started in the last couple of years. Yeah. You mentioned, some obviously, some huge applications here between ferries and uh, tugboats, but uh, when you get a chance to think, where is this industry going down the road? Where might it be in mm-hmm. five or ten years? What other types of uh, vessels might you see employing these technologies? Yeah. So what we're seeing yeah. is um, more electrification almost on every vessel segment. So even now we're looking at what used to be very traditionally diesel mechanical systems of like, say, a container ship that was being built today that would operate between the U.S. and China, spend a lot of time at slow speeding across the Pacific Ocean, um, would always have a slow speed diesel. And now we're looking at those vessels being built with a with an inline engine of dual fuel, but also looking to incorporate shaft generation. So they're looking at putting energy storage even on container ships now um, to be used while in port or going in and out of the port or seeing these green corridors being developed. Um, they realize that they have to build to this to these new standards. So we're seeing almost every vessel type incorporate either full electric power plants like on the ferry side um, or they're looking at at least supplementing what used to be a very mechanical system with an electrical system um, to be able to either increase that uh, energy storage in the future or use it as regulation requirements uh, require them zero emission periods of operation. I always like to end up a podcast with a question, something like this, where you know, if you could get all the uh, contractors who may have interest in ports, distributors might want to sell the equipment, and perhaps other electrical professionals. Uh, what would you tell them? They, how can they get themselves pre- prepared for, you know, this opportunity as it's it's growing yeah. as it goes? Where, where to, what what could they be doing to learn more about it and to get, prepare their companies for this? That's a that's a great question, and it's usually I'm always asked on the opposite side. Yeah. What does the maritime people need to do? So this is interesting, <laughs> and, and really what it is is those two worlds coming together. Yeah. I I think um, the maritime industry is, is a very kind of cloistered group. Um, it's and as a result, that you know, it's, it's a very strong group, a very supportive group, but sometimes uh, not very inclusive in learning about other things. And, and so, I would say, um, if somebody was interested, to certainly start looking at the maritime industry. So, looking at the trade shows that are important to the maritime industry, looking at the trade publications, um, looking to the ports in the area, starting conversations with the port authorities. Uh, the ports are kind of driving a lot of this they have a lot of funding available to them um, and they certainly need help um, so I think coming with a with the with the soul of an educator um, into the market to say hey you're here to explain how electrical systems can help them solve some of these problems uh, I think will be very well received within the maritime industry uh, because yeah they're looking for answers so they have lots of questions and they're looking for somebody who would help them with the answers that's great. I certainly learned a lot here. I hope our <laughs> listeners will as well. So thanks for spending some time with us on today. No problem. I appreciate it. It's been great. Thanks for listening to this Electrical Wholesaling Executive Insights Podcast with ABB's Edge Sports. Please do keep an eye out for other Electrical Wholesaling Podcasts that we broadcast each and every month.